Our first reading today comes from Zephaniah chapter 3, verses 14 through 20. A song of joy. Sing aloud, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O Israel. Rejoice and exult with all your heart, O daughter Jerusalem. The Lord has taken away the judgments against you. He has turned away your enemies. The King of Israel, the Lord, is in your midst. You shall fear disaster no more. On that day it shall be said to Jerusalem, Do not fear, O Zion. Do not let your hands grow weak. The Lord your God is in your midst, a warrior who gives victory. He will rejoice over you with gladness. He will renew you in his love. He will exult over you with loud singing, as on a day of festival. I will remove disaster from you, so that you will not bear reproach for it. I will deal with all your oppressors at that time, and I will save the lame and gather the outcast, and I will change their shame into praise and renown in all the earth. At that time, I will bring you home at the time when I gather you, for I will make you renowned and praised among all the peoples of the earth when I restore your fortunes before your eyes, says the Lord. May God bless the reading and hearing of this word. Thank you, choir. That was lovely. And our violinist, whose name I don't know, but that's okay. 
We'll give you a pledge card anyway. <laughs> Gospel according to Luke is where we have spent most of our time this Advent, and so here we are in the third chapter, verses 7 through 18. John the Baptist said to the crowds that came out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers! You, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Bear fruits worthy of repentance. Do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our ancestor. For I tell you, God is able to raise from these stones children of Abraham. Even now the axe is laying to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. And the crowds ask him, What then should we do? In reply, he said to them, Whoever has two coats must share with anyone who has none. And whoever has food must do likewise. Even tax collectors came to be baptized, and they asked him, Teacher, what should we do? He said to them, Collect no more than the amount prescribed for you. Soldiers also asked him, And what should we do? He said to them, Do not extort money from anyone by threats or false accusation. Be satisfied with your wages. As the people were filled with expectation, and all were questioning in their hearts concerning John whether he might be the Messiah, John answered all of them by saying, I baptize you with water. But one who is more powerful than I is coming, and I'm not worthy to untie the thong of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. His winnowing fork is in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his granary, but the chaff he will burn with unquenchable fire. So, with many exhortations, he proclaimed the good news to the people. The Gospel of the Lord. Let us pray. Take the news that strikes our ears, O Lord, as so very hard, and warm it by your love, so that it may come to our hearts as good. To the glory of Christ, your word made flesh. Amen. Today is Gaudete Sunday. Gaudete, from the Latin word meaning rejoice. Referring to it as Gaudete Sunday is a, is a carryover for those who are in higher liturgical traditions. Because for centuries when the church only worshipped in the Latin language here in the West, this Sunday would begin with the words Gaudete in Domine Semper, Aeterum Dico Gaudete. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Gaudete Sunday. Rejoicing Sunday. That's why we just lit the candle of joy. No candle you've heard a lot about this morning. Rejoice. Rejoice. Now, there's a word we don't use outside of church very often, do we? You don't tell your friends, rejoice. It is your birthday. We just got a we just got a raise. Rejoice. We're back in the office. Let us rejoice. Again I say rejoice. It's one of those weirdly Christianly words that we all kind of have a feel that we know what it means, but we don't use it in casual conversation very often. As you can guess from the prefix of the verb a re, that means to kind of do something again. Rejoice is the verb form 
of the word joy. We don't joy as a verb. Joy is the noun. Rejoice is the verb. It's taking that little word joy and grabbing it by its nose on the beginning of the J and by the tail on its Y and squeezing the meaning out of it to rejoice, to do it again, to do it intensely, to have joy in the midst of the depth and breadth of the Spirit's power. Godate. Rejoice. We've moved from the two deep purple candles of hope and love. These Sundays were clothed in the minor key of penitential carols. And as some of you, when you say deep purple, your mind immediately begins to flow with smoke on the water and fire in the sky. And by the way, that, that might be right for those of you who think deep purple on that because that song was actually written about a fire that happened in a casino in uh, Switzerland uh, while uh, Frank Zappa was playing and somebody shot a flare into the ceiling. In any case, about a burning casino, the church, deep purple, comes out during these seasons of mourning, of funerals, of sorrow. And we read texts about smoke on the water and fire in the sky. That's how these Advent seasons start, you know, with the hope and all of the detritus of human suffering, acknowledging that it will someday end. And we echo that haunting minor chant, O come, O come, Emmanuel, and a ransom captive Israel that mourns in lowly exile here until the Son of God appear. There's still sorrow in that second Sunday. We light the candle of love, but wait, it is love not yet fully experienced, not yet fulfilled. It's anticipatory. We know the light of love, but there is a mismatch between the news that we are loved and our worthiness and how we feel about ourselves and one another. God loves us, but we still feel the haunting shadows of being unlovable. So today's candle is pink, it's rose-colored. The gospel lesson jumps ahead of itself. It's catching a glimpse of what is yet to come in the story of Christmas. After the stable of Bethlehem, after the shepherds, after the wise one comes, we glimpse ahead to the story to see the sorrow abating and the joy of love coming into being. It's like a teaser before a commercial here the, Thunday, the third Sunday of Advent. The story's hard now, but stay tuned. Here's a quick picture of how the story is going to go. And so we watch it and stick with the story until the end. It's a lot like driving across the state of Nebraska. Yeah. You're three-fourths of the way across the state of Nebraska. You're almost to Colorado, and the clouds clear a little bit. You see mountains. You see terrain that isn't constantly flat and boring and frustratingly repetitive. You say there's hope ahead, but it's so very far away, but at least we know we're going in the right direction. It's that good news, bad news kind of feeling. And because I just said good news and bad news, it's the right place to drop a joke. The Pope 
is sitting with the chairman of the board of Nescafe. And Nescafe, I don't know if you recognize, over, the, over the, the, the last several decades, they've had some problems internationally with their reputation. And so the chairman of the board of Nescafe says to the Holy Father, he says, Pope, we are prepared to give a $200 million gift to the church. The Pope says, well, that's lovely. That's very generous. He says, well, there is a hitch. Okay, what's the hitch? He said, all we want you to do is to take the Lord's Prayer and change it from give us this day our daily bread to give us this day our daily coffee. The Pope says, oh goodness, no, we can't do that. 300 million. No, no, we can't. We can't. And so the CEO says, we're prepared to write a check for 300 million. The Pope says, no, no, that is the prayer that our Lord taught us. Give us this day our daily bread. It's not give us this day our daily coffee. CEO leans forward and says, how about 500 million? That's half a billion dollars, Pope. Next day, Pope is meeting with the College of Cardinals. He comes before them and says, I have good news and I have bad news. The good news is we just received a half a billion dollar gift to the church. The bad news is we lost the Wonder Bread account. The anticipation, the joy, the good news in the midst of possibly the bad news, and the possibility that at least one part of my sermon you will remember and share later in the week. (laughs) That's why even the first Sunday carol, that O come, O come, Emmanuel, that minor key, that sorrow, shall ransom captive Israel, breaks through with the chorus of rejoice, rejoice and then slides back in for Emmanuel shall come to thee the prophet Zephaniah he was a contemporary of Jeremiah Jeremiah was the weeping prophet because all he could proclaim was the eventual destruction of Judah just like Israel had faded from history years before that the Babylonian Empire would eventually come with all of its Syrian and Persian power and swipe Judah off the map it's gonna be really really purple for a very long time Babylonia will be where you will be taken but even as Zephaniah shares with Jeremiah all of the bleak predictions of smoke and waters and fire in the sky he can't help but look forward way forward to the time when God will reverse the fortunes of God's beloved way forward to a time when God shall ransom captive Israel Zephaniah writes rejoice with your heart the Lord will take away the judgments against you at that time I will bring you home the foretaste of our gospel lesson this Sunday when we pull back the curtain to see what it is the angels are going to be singing about and we hear the echoes of John the Baptist standing knee-deep in mud howling about the day of the Lord he speaks of fire consuming the unjust the burning away of selfishness a winnowing fork sweeping across the floor of the granary wheat gathered chaff consumed it sounds scary it sounds vicious but the passage strangely ends with these words so with many other exhortations John proclaimed good news good news to the people 
good news. Uangelizoto, the Greek word. The prefix u, meaning really, really great. We use it in the word euphoria. Really great feeling. You, angeli. Hmm, that sounds a lot like the word angel, doesn't it? Ooh, angeli. Angeli, angels. They keep popping up all over the Gospel of Luke. The message, the messengers of God. So it's a good message. The last ezeto, the final conclusion of the word, means uh, John's the one that did it. He did it. What did he do? He preached really a euphorically great message. News of great joy that shall be to all the people, as the angels themselves said to the shepherds. And after that little baby grew, it was John who brought the news of great joy. News that the one who was coming was coming to clean up this mess. News that commands kindness. You got two coats? Give one of them to somebody who has none. You've got enough food? Share it. You're a tax collector? Quit taking bribes. If you're a cop, stop shaking people down for protection money. Because something happens when the news is joyful. Something happens when we hit that space in which we rejoice. It becomes impossible for us to be mean to each other anymore. You can't rejoice and be mean. The purple contusions, the violent bruises that we inflict on one another, the wounds to body and mind and spirit, they begin to heal when we catch a glimpse of the coming Prince of Peace. But I get ahead of myself. Peace is next Sunday's candle. I don't need to tell you that we live in a purple world, a world of grief and sorrows. In sermon preparation, I was just taken aback this morning before I finally settled down and started writing these words. I was going through my news feed and I discovered just how contemporary John the Baptist happened to be. Refugees freezing to death in Belarus. People starving in Afghanistan. Politicians attempting to hide their financial records from charges of tax evasion. People who are in jails and their sentences being measured because they're the victims of police corruption. It's John's world. That's my world. What did this message of euphorically joyful news commend? Give him a coat. Give him food. Quit lying about your taxes and stop shaking down the poor. For John, the message of the coming of the promised one of God brings joy and it's joy that brings generosity and justice we need to know this the tidings of joy on Gaudette Sunday however are not the tidings of our joy or the joy of that little one it's okay sweetie Whose joy sent Gabriel to mess up with poor Zechariah last week in the temple? Whose joy was it? 
Whose joy caused some messenger to come to young Mary and completely change her life? Whose joy was it that sent a choir of angels to really confuse a bunch of shepherds out abiding in their fields? Whose joy was it? Well, I find the words, oddly enough, in the end of the book of Jude. (laughs) Now, you thought Zephaniah was an obscure scripture reference. How about the book of Jude? The book of Jude. By the way, I have my brother Mark to thank for the end of my sermon. Yes, uh, when we check in with each other, when we talk, we talk about theology. Uh, I am, after all, a pastor, and he is, after all, a retired uh, IT exec from Conagra. Anyway, when I was sharing with him last night on the phone, this is kind of where I think the sermon might take me tomorrow morning when I sit down and write it. He said, oh, you've got to look at the book of Jude. And so I did this morning. And at the end of that very short one-chapter book, I, I found the words he was pointing me to. Now unto him who is able to keep you from falling and to make you stand without blemish in the presence of his glory, and here's the moment, with rejoicing. Who's rejoicing? God's rejoicing. This is not about our joy. This is about God's joy to restore us, to set aside the grief of the purple candles in which we feel alienated, not sure about the hope, and unconfident about the love. All of a sudden, God is joyful. Why? Because of us. And God's boundless love toward us. Presenting us without blemish in the presence of God's glory is God's joy. Why do we become generous and kind when we are joyful? Because we become more like God. How is it that God can rain upon us grace and forgiveness? and gifts, and love, and peace, because God is rejoicing so to do. Jude continues to God, our Savior through Jesus Christ, our Lord, be glory, majesty, power, authority, before all time, now and forevermore. Gaudate and Domine Semper in terum dico Gaudate. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say, rejoice. Amen. Amen. Let us stand and affirm our faith in the words of the Apostles' Creed. I believe in God.
You may be seated. We live in purple times. We are promised joy. So let us pray. One of the advantages of the busyness of this season, O Lord, is the advantage of getting busy enough so that at the end of the day we are tired enough and then we are rescued from having to think about what's going on. But emotions, like sleep, grab us in their power whether we like it or not. And so in the holidays, as we allow ourselves to be oh so very busy, we also find ourselves with that lump in a throat or a furrow of a brow or dryness of the mouth or a tear in the eye, remembering that not everything feels like comfort and joy. Not everything. There are those who are struggling with illness at a really lousy time of year to struggle. There are those who miss their loved ones so very much because they were once part of the rhythm of the season and now they have passed into your eternal presence and grace. And while we do not fret for them because your love has embraced them in eternity, we sure are frustrated for ourselves because the conversations are so painfully one-sided. Grant to us that echoing word that word that causes us to rejoice. It's odd, O oh Lord, because we think a lot about being happy, but happy relies so heavily on our external circumstances, which is why we so quickly can move from happy to unhappy. But because joy is rooted in eternal truth, the fact that you love us and forgive us and receive us, it's impossible to become unjoyed. So help us to grab the joy even in the midst of unhappiness. Help us to mix the reality of our purple world with the righteousness of your white and glorious coming presence so that as we live in the rose color of our days, we be not dismissed as naive as often rose-colored glasses are called, but instead we are perceived as prophetic because we know the reason for the hope that is within us. We pray for those who struggle, recovering or anticipating, when the news that one's body is not running the way that you thought it should be present with your light, so we may see your world beyond this world's limits. We thank you for the audacity that it is to pray that we should bow our heads and that the creator of all things seen and unseen can hear. And even more than that, you find listening to our prayers as joy, even as you taught us to pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And lead us not into temptation.
but deliver us from evil. Thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. <laughs>